1: Should we let everybody in on a little secret that it's really Wednesday? Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. I know. So we are off. I love it. We're smiling. We can't We can't wait for the holiday. How
2: are you going to be with family?
1: I am. I have an, an onslaught of mom, brothers, nephews all coming in, and it's great. In-laws and strays, as we call it. We have a huge Thanksgiving, and I love it. Lots of food, lots of people sitting around playing football watching football doing everything just it's a it's a great day what about you yeah
2: the same i Mm. i stay with my american family (laughs) go up to the north georgia mountain mountains which is just so beautiful um we're having family coming in from florida too oh but it's a time when i always miss my british family even though thanksgiving is not a british holiday right i am an american citizen now so um in fact i'm a dual citizen so uh I Thanksgiving is is I have to say my favorite holiday mm-hmm. because it's a holiday about
1: family thanks getting together it's not about presents it's not or about
2: gifts eggs
1: or you know
2: no. I love it and you can just be there and, and I do and I do give thanks for all the good things that have happened in my life but but the most important thing in my life are my family my daughter my husband and my my mother and My my in-laws, even my in-laws and my broadcast partner, (laughs) Holly (laughs) Furfer, I give thanks for her because she comes and brightens my life. Um, Yeah. You know, it's great. You
1: have great in-laws. I have great in-laws. I think that's, um, we're so lucky. So lucky. It's fantastic. Yes. Yes. My, um, I always laugh. My mother-in-law was Blanche Devereaux before Rue McClanahan was ever Blanche Devereaux. Wow. Oh yeah. Sugar. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Have you met her? No, I haven't. Oh, we I always, need to I get do. I want to
2: because I've heard so much about her. So. Yes.
1: And my uh, father-in-law
2: looks like Kenny Rogers. He's very handsome. It's kind of a. Do you know when I was dating my husband, we were in a show over in England, and it was Christmas time, and the my soon-to-be in-laws. Well, actually, no, I was just dating then. We mm-hmm. weren't even married. We weren't even um, engaged. The his parents came over to come and see us in the show, and we spent Christmas Eve together, and it was really, it was just a, a really magical time. Uh, when I met when I met his father, my husband's father, uh, we were having a discussion about it in the new year about how great Christmas was and how lovely his family were. And I said to him, You know, I'd like to I'd like to marry a man like your dad
1: <laughs> Little did
2: you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was my roundabout way of saying, When are you gonna ask me? Oh very and it worked.
1: How much longer after that till he proposed?
2: Oh about what's it about four? A couple of months, three, four months. Oh, so we got I the forgot, hint. Well, I forgot when he proposed. It was yeah. so long ago now.
1: <laughs> well, uh, Sean, my husband, always says to me, here's the deal. When I first met you, uh, the first thing I did was check out your mom because I knew that was going to be you in about 30 years or 20 <gasps> years. So that's what he would do is he checks out the moms to see what the wife will end up looking like. And apparently he liked my mom because I got the ring. So. Look, my lips
2: are sealed. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to ask my, my husband what he thinks of my mother. Um, but Stop. I have to say, my mother... At the age of mm-hmm. three score and ten, she three score. Uh, how three score is and ten. Know. That's Here's what my me. father like, always used to say. As long as he made it to three score and ten, that was it. Which well, that's means, I'm gonna start... obviously, you know, until he was seventy.
1: Oh, I didn't know how much. I was like, I'm going to tell people how old are you when they ask my age, you know, and he never asked Three score and ten. Yeah. <laughs> she
2: three doesn't. She she does not dye her hair. She maybe have. She maybe has a few gray hairs, but her wow. hair is still brown. Wow. And she's in her 70s.
1: I asked my mom, I said, Mom, are we ever going to, You know, do I, am I going to get gray? Are you gray? She goes, I have no idea what my hair color is. <laughs>
2: she's, <laughs> she's dyed it for so long.
1: She's, yeah, she goes, I really could not tell you what my natural color is. I cannot tell you if I'm getting gray. I have no clue. <laughs> so it'll be a
2: surprise. Well, I hope that I, that I inherit my mother's genes of not going gray until I'm 80 because she's mm-hmm. still, you know. Or never. Some people never do. Really?
1: Yeah. Is that okay? I would, yeah. You're a medical reporter. Well, I think I might have just made that up. But if I say with conviction, (laughs) I would imagine, yes. Um, But do you have a a, um, food tradition
2: at Thanksgiving? Well, yes. um, Look, we eat turkey Mm -hmm. in Britain for Christmas and we have ham. So that was no different, but... What I had to get over with was, oh, the phone's ringing in the oh, studio. It's right.
1: You know why? Because on our uh,
2: hotline,
1: we're getting, uh, we have someone special on our hotline. So we'll let our producer answer that and you carry on.
2: Yes. Okay. So um, as he answers this, I love it because it's live, you see. Well, I know, It's not well, it's live good. taped, but we but do it live.
1: Live to tape is what we call it. Live to but tape. But it's okay because we have, we gave away the secret. We have a hotline call, but. Go ahead. Carry yes. on. We're still talking. What was I talking
2: about? You were talking about your Thanksgiving food tradition.
1: Okay, <laughs> I'm so glad
2: I couldn't you're like get, me. Yeah, I couldn't, it's called getting old. No short-term memory. Right. I couldn't get over the fact that you have mashed potato with gravy and not roast potatoes. Because when we have turkey mm. or when we have roast, we have roast potatoes with it. That's number one. The second thing Well was, Wait,
1: hold on. So do you have mashed potatoes or do yeah, you roast
2: potatoes? No, no. They do mashed potatoes. Okay. And I, I'm into that now. Mashed potatoes with gravy. <laughs> and then they also have uh, marshmallows. The, the marshmallows... Marshmallows. Cooked marshmallows with sort of, or carrots with marshmallows over it. you mean, do you mean yams, sweet potatoes? No. Well, they have sweet potato too. With but then they have, they do, they do like a really delicious, and my mother-in-law Hold is on. an amazing, amazing cook. talking about ambrosia? No. Oh. <laughs> I'm not. I'm talking about carrots with. Sliced? With a, the, um, Shredded? Sort of. No, sliced, kind of. Just sort of sweet carrots with marshmallow cooked over it. Oh, my gosh. That be... stuff is like candy. Well, Do you do, do you drink it?
1: Do you do like the sweet, like the yams with yes. the marshmallows on it?
2: Oh, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Sorry. We you were trying
1: <laughs> to get in there. I was off on one. And Tarot. you were just, you were like... Okay. It was orange and it had marshmallows. <laughs> Alright, here's the deal. Stick to dogs, do not cook. Next time I'm I come in. Horrible cook.
2: How are you terry, I, made, I tried I made soup. I made vegetable soup for my daughter the other day. Vegetable soup and I had and it looked great. And then I made the mistake of blending it. Oh. Because if she can't see carrots and all of that, then she's more likely to eat it. No, I blended it and it tasted horrible. <laughs> oh, and no. my daughter, she took a she took a bite of it and she was like Mommy, I don't like this. And I knew she felt bad saying she didn't like it. And she said, Mommy, you're a really good cook, but I don't like it. And I went, you know what, Han? I know I'm not a good cook. (laughs) I know that. And you don't have to be polite. I know that. And she went... But you can make eggs. <laughs>
1: you know, my grandmother, my mom is very thin and her sisters are thin. And it's always says, God bless my grandmother. I love her to death. But she was the worst cook in America. And we used to go up there in the summer. And this is this is was her soup. When you said soup, it gave me these terrible, like, post-traumatic flashbacks. <laughs> oh, sorry. So what she would do is she would cook all week. And then we, you know, like one night you'd have broccoli, one night you'd have carrots with your meal, one night, and then towards the end of the week, you dreaded because all those leftovers, she would blend and it became oh, soup no, oh, no. and it was like this That's pasty green, brown, gray color and it tasted awful. That was and, my soup. Oh my God. And they didn't have a dog. So there was nothing we could do. So I would torture, I'm a lot older than my brothers, So for a while when they were little, oh, I would be, I would like hold their mouths open and force them to eat it when no one was looking like it was great. But then they got older and bigger and beat yeah. you up.
3: Anyway, yeah, but we oh. do the
1: sweet it's us it's like a sweet potato yam whatever yes, you know it, yam you the yam with yes. the
2: marshmallows. there you go. Yes, it's very good. Do if you have other pecans
1: food? in there? Oh,
2: there she does that that's what my mother-in-law does as well.
1: Well, you know, I'm from the north. I'm- I'm a damn Yankee because, you okay. know, Yankees, they come to the South. Damn Yankees come and stay. Mm-hmm. So I'm a damn Yankee. My husband's from the South. So I grew up on Pepperidge Farm stuffing. I love stuffing. Mm-hmm. My mom makes the best mm-hmm. stuffing ever. Well, Sean grew up, grew up on – it was like – it's um, not called stuffing. I can't remember what they call – it's called dressing. It's chicken and dressing. So there's actually chicken in it. So it's actually a meal. It's almost like a casserole. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of mushy, and it's got like cream of something in there, where I'm just used to the fluffy stuffing. And so the first year we were together, my husband, like, you know, was still, you know, he was wanting to be very sweet, but he was like, this is not dressing. I was like, it's stuffing. So now we do the traditional, but now I like, I like his stuffing. And our tradition is my husband's favorite dessert is um, banana um, pudding
2: which oh, I've made which for you. you've made for us and it was absolutely delicious. So and his
1: mom, she, she hands down makes a better banana pudding than me. So that's sort of our tradition is I like the stuffing is my favorite thing. I'll go face first in stuffing.
2: My husband makes great stuffing. Really? <laughs> so <tasty>. All right. <laughs> this could be getting... Uh, sorry, that's we my should, dirty
1: mind. You know what? And um, here's what we <laughs> should do though. We should do Thanksgiving meals when it's not Thanksgiving. Like wouldn't it be great to surprise our families and
2: just do like in March do a whole Thanksgiving because we wait one... It would not be a surprise for my family. It would be sheer torture. <laughs> Really, they don't But like it, it would. No, if I made it, how oh, yeah. would it I wouldn't be surprised. I'll
1: make it. You'll come chicken. over. You bring the wine. Anyway, um, how was your show in New Bedford? Oh, it was back.
2: fantastic. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I, I loved you. the people at the Zyterian Theater. They treated me so well. The audience was amazing. They were so appreciative. It was two and a half hours of just real fun and entertainment. And we were all laughing and hanging out. I'm telling you. Awesome. I, 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 and I know I'm tooting my own horn, but. My live shows are just fun. Mm-hmm. They're just fun and you get so much information. You learn a lot and you have a good time. And I work with a great rescue shelter, Forever Paws, that are from Fall River. And these people, salt of the earth again, doing so much to help and rescue animals. The dogs, hopefully we've had some of those adopted. Um, just, it was just, It was awesome. We had a great oh, time. Oh, that's great. And it was a matinee, so it was great. So it means my husband and I could go out afterwards and have a date. So we went to go and see Tower Heist. Uh movie? Yes, Eddie I Murphy. Seen it. Is it good? Oh my gosh, it was hilarious.
1: Were you it in was hilarious. Is New Bedford outside Boston?
2: Oh, uh, it's quite far. It's actually closer to Providence, Rhode Island. Oh yeah. So yes, where did you stay? It's about forty five minutes. So but we stayed in New Bedford. Oh gotcha. And we stayed there and we stayed just uh, just on the water there with the fishing boats and you know, it's it's perfect storm. It's a perf- perfect Perfect storm, you know the film? Oh, from there. Yeah.
1: It's kind oh, of I like had no
2: idea. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that's Cape really Cod cool. is very close. So next Thanksgiving I want to be up in Cape Cod and there because of course Plymouth Rock.
1: Oh right, right. I bet it's big Thanksgiving up there. It
2: is a huge and they have lots of Thanksgiving parades and, and oh. big celebrations and I want to take my daughter and my nieces up there. I'll go. Would you come? Yes. And maybe next year we can take Thanksgiving yeah, Plymouth Rock in a
1: second. I would go. That's really mm-hmm. nice. You know, speaking of Thanksgiving, too, I do want to ask you a couple of questions because I know this time of year, there's a lot of activity in people's houses and it's always, you know, a lot of fun. But people who have dogs, you have to be really careful because I know my dogs, it will take, you know, a split second and any chance they get to steal food and things like that. And I remember last year we kind of had a debate, too, over the turkey bones. And I was always told never give dogs bones because they can splinter. But will you talk about Thanksgiving food safety, especially on dogs? And there's their foods that they besides chocolate that can really be harmful.
2: They can be harmful, things like onions, things like garlic. But, hmm. you know, what's, what makes me fear the most, more than even bones, is the fact that we tend to give you our dogs treats or you know some of the leftover turkey and that food's very rich mm-hmm. and that can cause pancreatitis pancreatitis is not a fun thing for your dog to get and it can be fatal so don't feed your dog a lot of the leftovers because they can't take a lot of rich food mm-hmm. i'd say that's the most important and just keep the food uh, keep the dog out of the kitchen use a baby gate or some way of containment so that your dog doesn't get to the food but You know what it's like. I mean, Mm -hmm. all the smells. It smells incredible to us. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. What is it like for a dog to smell that turkey cooking? Oh, poor things. So, you know, go out to a good butcher and get a a good beef bone, a good bone that's going to be safe for your dog to eat. Some people feed raw bones. I have a bit of an issue with that, though, again, I don't think I'm so educated on the raw diet, but um, I'm finding out a lot more about it or get just some really good beef bones that are cooked realizing Mm -hmm. that some of the even the the big chunky cooked beef bones Mm -hmm. can splinter a little Mm -hmm. bit as well but totally avoid the turkey or the chicken bones now turkey neck is different Mm. you can give your dog turkey neck because there's a lot of cartilage in that neck Mm -hmm. and that can be great Mm -hmm. but um but just be careful. Be very careful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good to know. Um, I wanted to just uh, raise something a little bit. At, at this time, you know, when we give thanks for all of the good things that we have in life, I do give thanks for the dogs that make my life, for the most part, so much better. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I don't want to walk them, i like, ah. But no, <laughs> they do. They make my life better. And I came across a great calendar. That was sent to me, and it's called Rescue Dog to Therapy Dog for those passionate about dogs in rescue. And it's 12 inspirational stories of dogs that have been rescued and then turn out to be a therapy dog of some kind. Um. And the first, I mean, for example, is Cedric the Pitbull. <gasps> You Look know, at me this
1: pitbulls. Oh my God, yeah. that's a beautiful Found dog. Found by
2: animal control as a stray walking the streets when he was one year old, and he was rescued one day before he was scheduled to be euthanized and placed with a wow. wonderful family, thanks to a rescue, um, a pitbull rescue group. And um, now he is a therapy dog for children. Wow,
1: he's beautiful. You know Isn't me he and. gorgeous? I told my husband I had a little statement the other day. I said, "From now on, we're only having pits." Yeah.
2: Yeah. I love great. No, well, dogs. they need it because mm-hmm. so many of them need a home. Yep. And um, what's amazing about this calendar is you can't see this, but we're going to put a link to this camera, uh, to this calendar on my website, positively.com slash podcasts um, is this calendar is, it's an artist who mm-hmm. paints Paints your dog basically, and so they're looking for people for the 2013 calendar. Oh. If you have a rescue dog, send in, um, and then your dog might be painted and mm. put on this calendar. Now, this this artwork, oh, this artwork is divine. I
1: thought it was it? a
2: photo when you showed no, me that. I this thought it an, was a photo This of is a, a painting.
1: Bowl. Wow. Oh, it is up close. You can see it as a painting. It's beautiful. And now, does the money go to the rescue? Um, I don't, I
2: don't know about that. I don't know, but I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, but I think it highlights the whole idea oh, of the these dogs that are rescued and that 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 go to to become therapy dogs or what they do for for humans, kind of giving back, as it were. Um, and so if you go to if you go to rescue um, dog, rescuedog- dog art dot com. Yeah. Um, or they've also got a Facebook page facebook.com slash rescue dog art you can find out more about it it's
1: beautiful that's awesome and i know that um it takes a lot to um work with rescue dogs and make them therapy dogs or any dog and that's why um as the phone rang earlier we've got uh one of your trainers calling yes. in. so let's let's get to her and uh, we can talk a little bit about this when you rescue a dog how you sort of incorporate them into the household and maybe get them in the calendar
0: the Positively Hotline is ringing.
1: We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just
2: here.
0: Who's calling in this, this week? week? He went after her like she's made out of ham.
2: That is interesting.
0: That's exciting. Um, is somebody going to answer that? Hello?
2: Hotline ringing. You're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. In the phone! Ladies and gentlemen, let's go! On our Positively Hotline today, we have... The first ever Victoria's a positively dog trainer, Daphne Robert Hamilton, all the way from Monroe in Washington State, which is close to Seattle, isn't it?
3: It's fairly close to Seattle.
2: Fairly, yes, because the that's state. Yeah, I've never been to Washington State. I've never been to Seattle. I Beautiful. really want to go there. Daphne, welcome. Thank you. And um, I, Holly Furfer is my co-host. Hi, Daphne.
3: Good morning,
1: Holly. I'm very excited to talk to you because I'm, I'm always asking Vic a million questions, and now I can get another perspective and uh, <laughs> and lay off Victoria for a minute. When I go, what
2: about this? What about that? What about this? So, um, Daphne, Daphne's um, her business is called Canine Partnership dot com, and um, Daphne's part of my Victoria Still Positively Dog Training team, and which is has now grown. To a huge extent, it's basically mm-hmm. a global um, team of positive reinforcement trainers that everybody that is part of my team has been, I suppose, handpicked. Um, uh, you know, I go they th- go through a huge assessment process because I want to have people that are training under the Positivity brand to be the best of the best. And so mm-hmm. when a trainer becomes a Victoria Positive dog trainer, these people are the creme de la creme. And we have that one philosophy, positive reinforcement. We believe in the humane teaching mm-hmm. of animals. And again, as I always say, positive doesn't mean permissive. It doesn't mean we're just, you know, uh, have a, the little treat bags by our side. And that's all we do is give the dog treats. There, we use discipline, but discipline is used as guidance um, rather than to instill fear. And But the positive reinforcement, that whole that whole idea of treating a dog th- to be um, to learn mm-hmm. in a fun way is, is resonates with so many people across this country. And that's what I love about trainers who train with the Victoria Still Positive Dog Training is because we all have that same philosophy. We all get results. How has it been for you, Daphne? Um, how, how do you feel as a dog trainer? What, what, what is the best aspect of your job?
3: Oh, gosh. Um, when I get to play with puppies. Oh, I'm with you there. <laughs> I, would, I would say the fun. that's the funnest part of my job. But I do see training, like Victoria said, as almost like training for me is like a game. I want the dogs to see training as a game so that they get involved in their training. And the people that I work with are familiar with other ways of training and their eyes light up and there's smiles on their faces and everybody's having a great time and some of them are a little apprehensive about using motivational or positive training but when they see their dog so engaged they can't help but smile so it's you know it, it is very rewarding for me as a trainer um to get that concept across of you know you can use positive emotion, motiv- motivational training with animals and they're they they just want you know they want to engage with you um, which is you know sometimes a new concept for people.
2: I love it. I mean that that's just that's what we 're all about. It's the dog learning through having fun and learning through being made to feel good.
1: Have there been any remarkable stories you can share about some dogs that you may have sort of brought back from the precipice <laughs> while you trained?
3: Oh gosh, I think I have a couple I, I specialize in dog aggression, um, so I've worked with several families where they were basically very frustrated at the end of their rope because they just didn't know what else to do with their dog. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would come in and show them some management techniques and some training techniques, and they saw a huge change in their dog, and their dog started doing better and better behaviors, and it just gave that family, one, a lot of relief. <laughs> right. But they they just had a different... View of their dog once they started seeing their dog change and doing more positive behavior. So I actually have several, um, you know, difficult cases like that where, um, you know, things turned out for the better.
2: And you know what, what I love about you, and you have it on your website, and, um, if you're, if you're interested and you're in the, um, the Monroe area, the Washington area, then please go to Canine Partnership and that's K. And uh, the number nine, partnership.com. Uh, I love the website because it, mm-hmm. at the top of it, you're saying better relationship between people and dogs, and that you're yes. coaching people, you're <laughs> training dogs, and that's exactly what it's all about, isn't it?
3: Yep. Yep. It, and, you know, you do, you, the only way for us to make any kind of improvement in a dog is really just kind of educating owners a little bit and showing owners some techniques, um, because without the owners involved, there's not going to be a lot of change.
1: How many dogs do you have, Daphne, just out of
2: curiosity?
3: I have two Rhodesian Ridgebacks, and Isabella just turned five this Saturday.
2: Hey, happy birthday, (laughs) Isabella. Wow. So
1: so, um, is there one, um, you know, bit of advice, like a generic advice that you give to people as you're starting to talk to them and work with them? Um, that you would sort of impart on people, and especially for you know everyone hanging out with us here on this podcast who may not be able to get to Washington to work with you, but something that you would just sort of like a, a nugget of wisdom?
3: Oh, gosh. Um, hmm. Holly likes
2: to put people on the spot. Sorry.
3: Well, <laughs> but I mean... Or um, I, a lot of it has to do with respect, and again, some people mm-hmm. just have skewed perceptions of how they should have a relationship with their dog. Um, I, you know, I try to set up a win-win relationship with my animals or any animal that I work with. I I want them to get something from me, but I want something from the animal as well. It's not about you know creating a win-lose relationship. I want to you know I want it to be engaging, and I guess that's one of the message that I, I tend to give to
1: people see that's great advice see there you go okay should we put her on the spot again and give let's her some of it. your questions let's do it so um we're going to have ask v- uh, vic and daphne so this is our ask victoria and daphne segment i've got some questions can we from- do more
2: daphne than victoria sure
1: absolutely so daphne then i'm just going to start with you um if you don't mind we're going to give you a couple questions and if you could give yep. some advice that'd be great um this one's from katherine in massachusetts and she says please help we adopted a puppy beagle mix and recently figured out she's also part terrier. We have six cats, and she keeps attacking them, chasing them, and nipping them. Today she went really, she really went after one, and we, if we hadn't been there, I'm afraid to think what could have happened. Please, how can we train her to stop going after our
3: cats? Um, I would say the first thing they, they would need to do is manage the environment a little better so that the dog doesn't ha- always have access to. To getting to a cat. Mm-hmm. So initially there's going to be a little more management needed. And then the training aspect is, you know, teaching the dog a little more impulse control. And there's some impulse control games that you could teach the dog where the cats are involved just to teach the dog the concept of, yes, there's something there, but you need to do this instead. <laughs> Once the dog gets the concept, then you could start having the dog on leash and then having a cat nearby um, and just rewarding the dog to make a better choice, which is let's go get your toy instead of the cat. Mm. Um, sometimes, depending on how excited the dog is, I will do some games with remote control cars or helium balloons or anything that has a slight motion to it, because that's really tempting to some dogs is the motion, and just teaching the dog, yeah, there's something there, but I want you to do this instead.
2: It's all about uh, positive redirection. Mm -hmm. Redirecting the dog onto something that you want it to do rather than something you don't want it to do. Good. Okay. Um, All right, Daphne. Daphne. You and I are so on the same page. Isn't it wonderful? I love that. Daphne, okay, since you do specialize
1: in (laughs) aggression issues, here's a um, question from Rachel in Surrey, England, and she says, I want to take on an American Cocker Spaniel who's two years old and has been on the show circuit all his young life. He has hated it and developed an aversion to male judges and males in general. He shakes with fear in public situations, particularly if a man comes up to him. He's completely non-aggressive. He seems nervous with me, too, but I was able to stroke him calm. Now, Daphne, I look at that, and I think this is, though, maybe an issue waiting to happen, that the dog may not be aggressive now, but they could turn aggressive, especially with that kind of fear, couldn't they?
3: It could. Um and I actually come from the show world. I used to compete in obedience, and my my previous boy did some show competition as well. And then you have to kind of step back and kind of ask yourself, what's more important to me, scores and ribbons or the health and safety of my dog? <laughs> so in this situation, I would probably say, you know, can you take a break from showing and really help build his confidence up and work with his fears with men? When he gets more confident and more at ease around different type of men, then I might suggest going back into the show circuit. But right now, she's putting him in a compromising situation and actually forcing him to tolerate something he doesn't like, Um, and and that's not a great place to be. So I would probably recommend pulling him from the show circuit. And again, it's about assessing what's more important to me, the the health and well-being of my animal, or is it about scores and ribbons?
2: Daphne, um, and I don't know whether... Sorry, if, if, if... Don't mind me interrupting. I don't know whether um, you could sort of shed a bit of light on this, but uh, I've always had issue with people that show their dogs, and obviously, you know, dog showing really, it's for the benefit of the person. I mean, what would a dog yes. rather do? Be it a dog show or out yes. in the yard chasing rabbits? I mean... Yes. Um, But th- there are a lot of people there that literally do it is so for them that they just kind of ignore what the dog needs. And what do you say to people like that who show their dogs and don't really care about the experience of the dog, just care about how many rosettes they win?
3: Oh, uh, You know, that, that's, a, that's a difficult position to be. Um, if they are really into the game of, of showing or competing and don't really tap into their dogs and their emotional well-being, I could only give them a snippet of information and and advice. And sometimes, you know, they'll they'll see what's going on with the animal. But most of the time, you're right. It's more of a selfish need that they're doing it for themselves. So that's, you know, sometimes we can't always get to everybody.
2: But I, I agree with you. I think definitely that that dog should be taken off the show circuit. Because it's obviously, even if it hasn't had anything traumatic happen to it, uh, that we could s- consider traumatic, it obviously doesn't enjoy that experience, does it
3: right yeah, if you know if an animal's really not enjoying it, um, <laughs> you're further compromising the dog and might actually further sensitize the dog, leading it up to maybe being more aggressive, but you know I wouldn't you know if I was that dog, I wouldn't want to be put in situations that were, where I'm unsure and not enjoying things either, mm-hmm. so you know, that I, again, I would suggest that she would take a break from showing and just do some um, basic desensitization with different types of people and men. um so the dog gains a little more confidence and feels a little better through association with men um, before she tries showing.
1: Okay. um, we're talking with Daphne Robert Hamilton, one of Victoria's positively trainers. V.S. What did the initials? V-S- V.S.P.D.T.
2: Victoria, Victoria Still, Still well, positively, positively Doctrine.
1: Love it. Um, and, uh, Daphne, since uh, we're on that line of sort of aggression a little bit, um, this is a problem that actually I had that Victoria helped me out with. This is from Anne in Newport, Wales. Um, She says her Dalmatian is awfully aggressive to other dogs, male and female, and getting worse each day. I've tried training him with treats to distract him, walking the other way, which isn't an easy task, and even crossing the road, and he will still growl and snarl. Tried to be social, but he turns nasty straight away. He gets plenty of exercise, but this dog doesn't change the situation. Please help. I'm at wit's end. Daphne, I can completely relate because I had a a, a hound who was the sweetest dog ever, and he just got more aggressive, more aggressive, more aggressive to the point where I couldn't even take him for a walk.
3: Yeah. Um, So... In situations like that, you know, the the sight of the dogs get so sensitized to the presence of another dog, they start cluing in on the sound of dog tags and not just the sight of a dog. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. now they start hunting for, you know, okay, where's the next dog? So they get very hyper vigilant. Um, When a dog reacts at the line of sight of the dog, and the dog might be three blocks down the road, and it starts going reacting, it just means that we have to find. I call it the sweet spot. We have to find the spot where the dog can perceive the other dog but not immediately go off and have a reaction. That is a timing issue. So you've got to find that sweet spot so you could interrupt and redirect your dog to do other behaviors. Or if your dog is able to look at the other dog for a millisecond without reacting, reward that look. Hmm. (laughs) And, you know, it, it does take time. So you do have to work on, you know, finding that sweet spot. And that's a distance and timing thing. But, if your dog is always reacting at every exposure that he sees or hears, it means that the the proximity or the distance to to the to the stimulus which is the other dog is too much for him to handle. Um, some dogs that either had bad experiences previously tend to use aggression quicker they they kind of act before they ask questions <laughs> because they were put in a really bad situation before, so dogs that use aggression really quickly um they're really frightened. They're very scared. Um, so it's about giving them enough space so that you could interrupt and redirect. And if they are able to stay somewhat calm and see another dog, start rewarding that calm state. So it's a it's a dicey thing. As far as using food, um, it's a timing issue as well. Some people wait until the dog reacts to pull the food out and try to um, bribe or interrupt the dog with the food. When the dog is already reacting, it's much too late to do any training. You're in management mode at that point, which means get get your dog out of that situation mm-hmm. so that he could calm down. But yeah, if the dog's already reacting and you're trying to bribe him or get some food in his mouth, chances are he's not going to take the food anyway because he's in fight, fight or flight at that mm-hmm. mode. Um, so again, the key points are: yes, you do have to expose your dog to other dogs, but you have to do it in more of a meaningful manner, which is you have to use a little more distance so he's not into reaction mode, and then interrupt and redirect and teach him to do other behaviors. So um, that's what I would suggest.
2: Wow, Daphne, you're good. She is great, isn't
1: she? Wow, I'm going on to do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: You know, and and this kind of training can take a while, and it doesn't really go with our sort of quick fix desires Mm -hmm. that we as humans have. But when you work on it, and if you're patient with it, and you're committed with it, then you will see results and those will be long lasting results. So and I would say that, you know, if you do have a problem, you must seek out the help of a trainer, a trainer Mm -hmm. like Daphne, because this this is quite intense. I think it's quite difficult for a person just to do it by themselves without that support of a professional by their side.
1: Okay, Daphne, one more question for you. This is from Lisa in Oxford, England. She and her boyfriend recently um, brought a 17 week old Cocker Spaniel cross boxer into the home. Uh, she's fine at most things and is gradually getting better at not going to the toilet in the house, but is becoming a problem when we leave her. She starts to chew the walls in the hallway where we leave her, so we get her uh, a cage. And she continually barks when we've left her to when we return. What can we do to stop her from doing this?
3: Oh, that's a handful. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, you, You know, it's tricky when you first get a puppy. It's so traumatic for puppies to be in a new environment away from their known universe, which is their mother and their litter mate. So, you know, having a new puppy in the home, it's a huge transition for the puppy. And I usually tell my clients, you know, expect to take a few days off. Um, when the puppy comes home, so that you can start teaching it alone-time training. Um, And, you know, some of the good breeders actually start preparing their puppies before they're placed in homes alone-time training, which means teaching the puppy how to settle in a crate by itself, away from its siblings and and mother, so that when they are placed in homes, it's no big deal. So um, I would say on the weekends that they would need to do some crate training when they're doing some... um, work in the house like dishes or laundry. So the puppy is confined away from the people but the puppy can still hear and see the people while the people are in the house. Um, that's a challenging one if you know if they need to go to work um, for 10 to 12 hours a day, hopefully not longer than that, um, puppy shouldn't be in the crates for more than four hours um that's a challenging situation so you know usually it's you know exercise the puppy before they're put away um give them some chew activities or puzzle toys so they can work on that instead of you know entertaining themselves on walls or furniture um but yeah that's a tough one if they need to be away and the puppy's barking all day long
1: or maybe find a A dog sitter, somebody who can come in and walk the dog at least till the dog's, you know, grows up a little bit and has that's training instilled.
2: Because you can imagine what it's like to be, you're either you're Mm. either with your your litter mates and then you get taken away and put in a home and then you're left Mm. for many hours during the day, or You're from a rescue shelter, which is traumatic in itself, and then you end up in a home by yourself again, Mm -hmm. and nobody speaks your language. Um, I think there's a lot of anxiety that goes along with that.
1: Let me ask you a quick question. Do you, my my husband thinks I'm nuts, but when my, I I sometimes leave the TV on or the radio on for the dog, I like to leave the TV on so there's something they can look at. Is that kind of nuts? Is that really matter?
3: <laughs> um it's not. When you know one of the protocols for dogs that have separation distress or separation anxiety is what we call a, a safety cue, which means that you would have something in the house that usually predicts that there's a person around. So usually the TV is only around when somebody's actually sitting down and watching TV or the radio or the coffee's going or maybe you turn on certain lights. When you're home, so safety cues are things in the environment the dog perceives that is usually paired strongly with the presence of a person. Um, so if you leave those things on, the dog's like, "Oh, there must be somebody here." <laughs> so no. um, that's why typically you leave the TV on, and sometimes just the white noise or the background noise mm-hmm. is enough for you know dogs to kind of you know settle down. So
1: not feel like they're alone. especially
3: speaking of transition to Victoria's um, thing is you know sometimes people use classical music um to help dogs settle while owners are away as well so
2: yeah i think that's i think that's important because you know when we go out the, the radio goes off the television goes mm-hmm. off the lights go off and then the dogs in complete silence mm-hmm. um some dogs some dogs do well with the television others don't do so well with the television they find the noise too much mm-hmm. so that's why we've introduced the whole idea of the classical music and a especially developed classical music that just has a single piano rather than loads of instruments that doesn't have so much noise for the dog to have to deal with and listen to um that can really help to calm a dog down and then the dog that becomes a safety cue the music is played while the person is at home just hanging out with the dog and then after a while when that dog associates the music with good things happening to it and the person being there the music then could be put on just as the person go out goes out so it brings along those positive feelings but i I think you know daphne i don't know whether you when you hear that kind of question you go oh oh my gosh (laughs) because you know that's a sort of a separation anxiety or Boredom, a puppy by itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are a lot of issues, and there are a lot of issues that can be helped just purely by management. So, and uh, that's
1: why we need Victoria stillwell's positively dog trainers, right? Because <laughs> you you're there to save the day. Daphne, thank you so much for being with us. Um, great oh, information. Thank you. thank you, Daphne. You're awesome. Great. And you can Thank find you. Uh, Daphne's information at K9, that's K, the letter K, 9, the number 9, partnership.com. Um, or if you're not in the Washington area and you want to find one of Vic's uh, trainers, you can go to Positively.com slash trainers and find somebody like Daphne um, in your neighborhood. Thanks again, Daphne.
0: Hey, Victoria, give me a fascinating furry fact. The
2: aggressive is. Rawr, 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 rawr.
0: Uh, thanks for that, I guess. I know what you're thinking. Get Crazy people? <laughs> Crazy dog? Did you provoke her? Did what you did start? you do? Come on, did bee? you pitch her or something? <laughs> Got anything else? It costs approximately $10,000 to train a federally certified search and rescue dog. Yep, she's right about
1: that. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's mm-hmm. uh, that's a big investment. But you know yep. those dogs, if they find somebody in an emergency... Ooh. There's no price tag you can put on that mm-hmm. Amazing Alright so are you buckling your seatbelt Because guess what It's my turn oh my I gosh. get to ask Victoria questions In the next Animal Academy Let's jump right into the Let's embarrass and humiliate Holly segment
0: Open your notebook Sharpen your pencil and get ready Give me something to write on. You're about to attend Victoria's Animal Academy Oh no Oh, class
2: is in session. Yeah, because this is where you get to see how stupid I am.
1: Well, actually, for the record, (laughs) I looked for obscure questions. I was like, just too easy. Nope, she'll know that. So if you get one right, I will be impressed. What if I get nothing right? Then I will feel so much better.
2: (laughs) All right, are you ready? Next week, I'll tell you.
1: Okay, pay attention here now, class. All right, first question for you, Victoria. Ancient Egyptians revered... Oh, for goodness sake. Seriously. Come on. (laughs) I couldn't find anything that was harder. Okay. Ancient Egyptians revered their dogs so much. What would they do to mourn their pets passing?
2: Well, I know they had their pets buried with them. But if their pets what are you singing for is it like is That's it like the jeopardy, oh, the jeopardy oh okay
1: um
2: I, I well i don't Come know i mean okay. okay they would embalm them oh that would be creepy no um when well they pet... did that with the kings and things didn't they yeah i guess you're right but yeah, As why... a pre... that was a pretty good guess
1: my grandfather had an embalmed monkey in his, in his office, in his home office, which was very weird. Your that family, would be bizarre. I know. Actually, there were two monkeys. Bizarre. I have a thing about monkeys. Okay. okay. So, um, no, Victoria, the correct answer would be um, when a pet dog would die, the owner shaved off their eyebrows. Not the pet's eyebrows, their own eyebrows, smeared mud in their hair and mourned aloud for days. Are you kidding? Apparently, they really love their animals. That's why I love the ancient Egyptians. Wow. Yes. They I know, right? They shaved
2: off their eyebrows put mud in their hair. <laughs> and they mourned aloud for days. Goodness. Where did you get that I from?
1: know, right? Oh, it took me a long time. Okay. Question number two. Kublai Khan owned <laughs> the most dogs than any person. How many dogs did he own at once? 32. Come on, your old friend. 5,000 what well Kublai Khan was very wealthy didn't he like you know kill a lot of people and take over a lot of stuff so he had a lot of land five oh. thousand <laughs> yes five thousand so this wow. leads to, I know right but he must have had a lot of land
2: or well, he you was know. a nasty piece of work I mean right. maybe he just used all of his love on his animals and then killed everybody else or he
1: used the animals to I don't know to, to kill everybody else I'm not sure wow. I don't know where but he must have taken a lot of land to have five thousand dogs I wonder if he named them all feeding time must have been a bear okay how many dogs are there in the world coming off of
2: i don't know in the world i know in america there are approximately 76 million owned dogs but i don't know in the world well, uh, do i have to guess yes
1: <sighs> come up with a number no looking at the producer for, <laughs> for help a billion um two billion? Oh, that would be n- no no there are. It's estimated there are 400 million dogs in the world. Okay. That means a lot
2: of people need homes. 400 million. Yeah. Is that
1: owned dogs I or don't, is that wild dogs? Oh, I don't know. I would say that's owned dogs.
2: I would think. 400 million owned mm-hmm. dogs. Wow. Okay, ready, Victoria? Question number four. Because there aren't even a billion people yet, are there? There's seven billion. Oh shoot. <laughs>
1: We just hit $7 billion a couple weeks ago. You might have been busy. It was kind of big news.
2: Oh my gosh, that baby, of course. Yes. That baby doesn't person. Seriously, it's in the morning. The producer's looking at me like I'm, I am, She's, I'm so, She was so
1: busy training dogs, she was not aware of the new birth. <laughs> the last 6 billion people escaped her. Okay, ready? Where did French poodles originate?
2: Uh, well, France. Ah! That's what I was hoping you would say. Why French? because they know they originate from somewhere else, don't they? Yes. It's like who's buried a They're Grants a German too. dog. Aren't they? Very good. Thank you, thank you, thank you, oh my gosh. Very good. They're French poodles dog.
1: did not originate oh. in France, but in Germany. So why the heck do they call them French poodles? Because
2: they're taken by the French and poofed up, looking oh. <laughs> making them look ridiculous like they do in dog so, shows today.
1: The word I know, isn't that crazy? I have a good <laughs>
2: friend who does that. <laughs> Anyway, I'm poodle, sorry, I just took a glass of drink of water I wasn't going to tell went all over my microphone and down my mouth. That's good. <laughs> I'm I, getting stressed. I,
1: <laughs> I love this. Okay, for the record, just to let you know in case this comes up again, poodle didn't cut poodle comes from the German poodle or pudelhund poodle meaning splashing dog. Some scholars speculate the poodle's puffs of hair evolved when hunters shaved the poodle for more efficient swimming while leaving the pom-poms around the major joints to keep them warm. I personally think that, you know, Hans and Franz <laughs> wanted a pet poodle for other reasons to <laughs> make them look pretty. Okay, ready? Next question. That was a good question. What okay. color are Dalmatians at birth? Uh, white. Oh, let see. Yeah, I threw an easy one. In the I color. should know.
2: I should know these. Yeah. If I didn't know these ones, that would be really bad.
1: So, I guess my dog is a white dog, an American Bulldog pit mm-hmm. mix. And she started, and it's funny, she was more white. Now she's getting these black spots so I guess they it's like the
2: it could be she's probably got some dalmatian. she's probably got some pointer in her
1: oh wow Hmm. it's kind of cool okay Victoria why is Countess Carlotta Liebenstein (laughs) or could be Liebenstein of Germany remarkable
2: (laughs) is she still alive today no she died in 1992 okay why was she remarkable because she rescued she rescued a lot of dogs and cats. She had a sanctuary, and um, that's all I can think of. Good answer. Who is she? That's wrong.
1: Oh, uh, why is Countess Carlotta Liebenstein of Germany remarkable? She left approximately one hundred six million dollars to her Alsatian
2: Gunther the Third. When she died in I 1992. Am stealing that dog well, in 1992—it's probably not around anymore. No,
1: but. it's kind of like the Leona Helmsley. Didn't she do that? <laughs> Left everything to the dogs. Wow.
2: That one was—that
1: was a no-win for you.
2: Okay, here's a multiple-choice
1: question because I knew that one was to be so tough. You can—you have a one-in-three chance of getting oh, this. Gosh. Ready? Yes. What percentage of Americans talk to their dogs on the phone or leave messages on their answering machines for their dogs to hear? Ten percent? Thirty-three percent?
2: Or 76%. I think it's 33%. You are right. Yeah, because I was I I, I was I was going to say even before you did the mul- asked the, told me the multiple choice it was in, around the 30s.
1: Yes, that yeah. would be me. I'm included in that. Mm-hmm. One survey reports 33% of dog owners admit they talk to their dogs on the phone or leave messages on answering machines while they're away. So the percentage that don't admit it, we don't know
2: we're so See, you're doing well and i'm doing better than i thought I okay was.
1: now this one is an easy one and i put this in here last to make to so we can leave on a high note you ready Oh
2: no and this is one i'm not going to be able to get. no it okay. is a good one okay why do male dogs lift their legs to pee because they are leaving messages on a higher surface spreads um if you lift your leg you're not only leaving the urine on the surf uh, on surfaces but you're also there's more chance of the wind carrying the scent to a larger surface area plus you're the big dog in town the higher the leg the bigger the dog very good you are genius
1: Woohoo okay Male dogs will raise their legs while urinating to aim higher on a tree or a lamppost because they want to leave a message that they are tall and intimidating. Mm -hmm. And get this one. Here's a little fun fact for you for your uh, Thanksgiving meal when everyone's sharing tidbits. You can tell them, did you know, some wild dogs in Africa try to run up tree trunks while they're urinating to appear to be very large.
2: Whoa. Like some men I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doesn't that explain so much in the dog and human world? So completely. Um, See, you I do but, it well. but you know, there are some female dogs that will actually do handstands as well. Uh, what? I've had lots of dogs, especially chihuahuas, will do handstands. Yeah. To mark vertical surfaces. Okay. so it's lo- This it's like... is
1: what separates the dog world from the human dog because I'm no math or science genius. But what that tells me is that what goes up comes down and well, there's they gravity. <laughs> they don't mind
2: about that. It's high up on a wall. This was not a chihuahua. This is some Bernadou Pete here. Uh, plus, there are some dogs that will, oh, I'm into this now, that will, that will, male dogs that will do a handstand against the wall. They all seem to be chihuahuas. Do a handstand against the wall and smear their poopy. Poop on the, they will poop on the wall and smear it because pooping is also a way of scenting as well.
1: So just be careful when you think, oh, that's my child's Crayola drawing on the wall. Maybe not
2: so much. I hope you're really not listening to this while <laughs> you're eating your turkey.
1: Yeah. On that note, have a good Thanksgiving. Um, that was fun, though. So, uh, yes, Victoria, have a great Thanksgiving. You did Thank very you. well in the quiz. Can we do that again?
2: Yes. Well, that's please really do. No, it's me. really
1: funny. It's great. Okay. It's great. And I promise to get some more weird, fascinating. Yes. But I'm telling you. You will use this in a conversation one day. I guarantee almost every single person joining us here, hanging out with us on the podcast, will mention dogs doing handstands or climbing up a tree. No doubt. Anyway, I uh, also want to thank Daphne Robert-Hamilton for being with us, caninepartnership.com. Thank you. Thank
2: you. I have the best trainers at the Victoria Steel Positive Dog yeah. Training Team. Are the best trainers check out our website if you need a trainer get one of those people because i mean as i said they're the creme de la creme
1: she's amazing they all are positively.com slash trainers and as always anything you want to find out about victoria or it's me the dog follow her on twitter.com it's mere the dog facebook.com victoria stillwell and uh, join us here next week uh, we'll see you then happy Thanksgiving.
0: thanks for tuning in to victoria stillwell's positively podcast For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook as Victoria Stilwell or follow her on Twitter at It's Me or the Dog. This Positively podcast has been brought to you by Pets Ad Life who encourage you to get a pal for your pet. Visit PetsAdLife.org or the Pets Ad Life Facebook page to learn more. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively.